Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Praise God. Um, by name, I'm Protein Shogoza. I'm from Rwanda. As Paul said, Rwanda is a small country in East Africa, a small country that faced a great tragedy in Africa. Today, I'm not going to tell you um, about Rwanda or about uh, my own story. Um, I want to tell you the power of the Word of God in our lives. I was born in Rwanda in 1964. I grew up in Rwanda. My father has been killed in 1973 in the massacres when that rubbish that Paul said started to just, they rose up against Tutsis and they, they found him feeding his cows on, on the mountain and they beat him till death. At that time, I was nine years, I was in primary school, I, I saw that. So that hatred and uh, uh, divisions among Rwandans grew up until 1994. 1994, I was a man, I had a, a wife and three kids. I was ministering in a church. So it is when the genocide started on 7th April, after the crash of the airplane of the president uh, who was reading in Rwanda at that time. The, the crash of the plane took place on the night of 6th of April. Immediately in the capital city, the genocide started. They started killing from the top politicians from different political parties. village near, in the remote area near Kigali city, the genocide came on 10th April. 10th April, it was Sunday morning. I walked up as it was my routine to go to church every morning. I walked up and I went to church in the middle of my way, I met a local leader who, told, who asked me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. He said, no, please, you rather go back home and tell your people to carry light things so that they may go to the mountains. I heard that militias will come into your village and kill people. So you go, tell them to take light things and leave their houses open, maybe they'll come and rob things that you have, uh, but you may survive. I went back home to my village, and then I told my people like uh, what the leader told me, uh, we took light, light things like jackets, blankets, and other 
little things, we went to a Catholic church near because we expected to have a rescue from the church. We thought that these guys will respect the house of the Lord, but it was not like that. We were too many in that church. At, uh, at 10 a.m., a bunch of militias with uh, two, two, uh, two soldiers, they came with grenades and uh, guns, they, shot to, they started to shoot in the church. But because we are too many, uh, we were a bunch of uh, people more than, than those who attacked us, we took a decision to grab stones and start to fight them. We started to fight them, but we had nothing to fight them because they had guns. They got tired, they went back. We thought that is over now, they will not come back. But after one hour, they came organized with a lot of uh, soldiers, um, militias, and big guns. So they shot and pitted. What we did, we broke the, the windows of the church. Me, my uncle, and my, uh, my neighbor Francis, who was the catechist of that church, we passed through our windows, of the windows of the church, and I have taken my wife and three kids. My firstborn was seven years, secondborn was four years, and my uh, thirdborn was one month. We went to the mountain, up to the mountain, and then we sat there just thinking that we will be seeing where they are coming from we learn from uh, we learn out of them, but we forgot that behind us there is another vacant place. From our behind, a big bunch of militias came, and they found us seated there. They started to beat us and saying, "You cockroaches, what are you doing here?" As Paul told you. We were named cockroaches in order to dehumanize us so, if, so that everyone would kill us easily, thinking that we are little insects. So they started to beat us from there until they put us in line. My uncle went in front. I followed him. My neighbor Francis was behind me, and my wife was behind us with children. They wanted to take us to the main road. I want to explain this point. Why they, are they were taking us to the main road. You know, from the village, Tutsis were known and they were listed on a list. Those who might be killed were on a list. They have been listed before. So they wanted to, put, to, to, to take us to the main road so that they kill us from there and leave our bodies near the road so that everyone who will pass there will know that these guys have been killed. We are not going to search for them. They, wanted, they didn't want to waste time searching for, for people that have already killed. So they took us in the middle of the way going to, to the main road one leader of militia said, you guys, take this woman and her children on, on her way 
I don't want you to take her with these guys. They took my wife on her way, and they took us to the main road. Reaching to the main road, one guy named uh, Sagahotu, who was uh, a spiritual son to my uncle, came with a sharpened machete, and he cut the neck of my uncle, as I see, with my eyes. Just his body fell down immediately, he died. Seeing that, I said, ah, things are not easy. My baby prayed a prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, you know that I'm innocent. My hands have no any innocent bloodshed. Please take me to your heaven. After praying, I turned my face, looking to my back to see what is happening to my neighbor Francis. I met a machete, a machete coming from his face. And the blood has been shed in my back. He had a bunch of money in his pocket. He pulled out the money and he said, don't kill me. I give you this money. They took the money, but immediately they killed him. I stood there like someone who ruled his conscience because I, could, I had nothing to do. If I could learn, they could learn after me. If I could stay there, it was like I'm in the mouth of death. They started urge on how they, they share the money until one guy saw that I'm still standing there. He said, you guys, you are busy with money, but this guy will run, after, uh, will run away from us. So what are you doing? He came with a big stick made with nails. He bit my back. I immediately, I followed down in, in between of the bodies of my fellow people. So what happened later, they went, they left me there thinking that I'm dead. So some of my fellow people from the group of Tutsis came to me where I was, I was there, and they just grabbed me from there and uh, took me to the pushes, they undressed me, my, the dirty dresses that I had, and they gave me other dresses. We waited for the night to come. That night was a night, uh, that I like to say that it is a night of the journey to Calvary because it was not easy. It was not easy to, to go uh, out of that place because each and every way we broke by roadblocks. And from each roadblock, you will find more than 10 militias with staffs to kill. So a lot of our people have been killed from the roadblocks uh, around in the, in the mountains and the, uh, the villages. But we are lucky to find way, uh, difficult ways we went down in the valley of the river Nyabarongo. The river Nyabarongo is, uh, uh, is, uh, contributes to the, to the source of Nile. It goes from Rwanda in between Tanzania and Uganda and reaches to the uh, Lake Victoria. So in that valley, we dwelt there for 31 days. April, the, the month of April is a heavy rainy, rainy season in our country. And Rwanda is a country of 
tall hills. So when the rain comes, the, all the waters go down in the valley, and the valley get flooded. So it was in a flooded, a flooded water, a flooded valley that we dwelled for, three, uh, for 31 days. You can, ask, uh, you, can, you can ask me, what were you eating? We had nothing to eat in that valley except to dilute papyruses and chew the softened roots of it, which is very salty. We were drinking that contaminated water, that dirty water. I said that it, is, it was contaminated because, you see, mountains are there full of bo our bo uh, the body of our bodies of our people that have been killed. And Can you when the rain comes, the water flow down. Can you imagine what water we are with? Drinking. It was the blood of our people. Because for 31 days, some, some people have been rotten on, on the villages. After 31 days, uh, the soldiers of RPF, which is Rwanda Patriotic Front, pushed away the militias, they went to exile in different, in different neighbors' countries, and then they started to search if there is someone who's there. But for your information is that in that valley, we were about 50,000 people. But later alone, that regime who were killing people brought helicopters, Grenades and guns, they shoot it everywhere. A lot of people have been killed in that valley. Seven people, including me, came out of that valley. Seven people. That valley has taken a lot of souls, a lot of bodies. So we came out of the valley by the calling of the RPF army. We couldn't believe them if they would be speaking the, our native language, but they used the language that they, they, they came with from exile. So the Swahili language, it's why we, we came to believe them. So they have taken us to their uh, temporary barracks, and later alone we started to build life. In my life, yes, the genocide impacted me so much. But something that hurted me more than other things is that that coming out of the valley, jumping the bodies of my fellow people in the village. So seeing them laying down, it was too tough. So I, after the genocide, I would started a minister afresh, I went here and there to find if there is some, some members that have been uh, survived. I found four orphans and six uh, widows only. So I started with that, those, those people. Slowly, people started to come until the international NGOs started to uh, just came in, came in to produce, to provide some reliefs like food and medicines, then they used the churches. Even my church has been a tool to provide those reliefs 
that come, came from uh, different organizations. I'm telling you, I would make sure that my people, those people whom are from my group, has got plenty so that I may pass on to others. Can you imagine that? A pastor is a father. Can you imagine a father who segregates his children? That was my, not my attitude. It was not my habit, but it was the anger and the hatred that grown, has grown in my heart for those people who hurted me. For your information, I didn't know where my family has been killed, but let alone I came to know that when they took my wife away, they killed her with my two boys. But when they were starting to kill, one lady who had no children came, came in and asked the militias to give her my daughter so that she may make her a slave for the rest of, of the life with my but she intended to rescue her. She freed the country with my daughter of four years. After two years, she brought her back to me. And that was a miracle to me because I lived alone in my family. And I got Francoise, who was, uh, who was my second person of, la of, of, of the family, survived. Francoise now is uh, 33 years old and she's uh, a mother of two children. In uh, 2003, I dwelt with this rubbish of bitterness in my heart for nine years. Can you imagine? I would wish these guys to be murdered. I would think each and every day that they get finished. But by the grace of God, in 2003, I went to Youth of the Mission to do my DTS, Discipleship Training School, and there I met God. There was a habit of having a quiet time with God every morning, and that was, would be done in partnerships because uh, there was, we should be a team of two people in, partner, in prayer partnership. So I met a guy from UK who was there teaching. He became my prayer partner. So we started to be praying together as we meditate on the word of God and listening on what the word, the word of God telling us. One day we were meditating on Matthew chapter 6, which is the Lord's Prayer. Reaching to verse 12, there I saw that the word of God is alive and at work. Because it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Immediately at that time, I heard the voice asking me, how many have you forgiven? At that point, I had no positive answer to that question, but I urged with the voice that spoken to me. 
I saw that it was my right to hate them. They have wronged me so much. I started to say that they have killed my mother who took, who took care of me for a long time without her husband. Uh, they have killed my children that I loved so much. They have killed my wife that I loved so much. 46 people of my marriage family have been murdered. I left alone. So why are you asking me to forgive them? It is my right to hate them. I urged, I urged with, uh, with that, that voice internally, my fellow prayer partner didn't know what is going on until we reached to verse 14 and 15. There, my strength and my power was over. I'm telling you, 14 says that if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will forgive you. 15 says, if you want to forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So to that point, that voice came again and asked me, are you really going to heaven? Are you a really Christian? I don't know what happened. The tears started to flow down. In our eyes of men, men does, does not weep. We have a saying which says that tears of men goes inside. But at that time, I wept so much. In that period of one hour and a half just weeping, I was thinking on myself, thinking on how I behaved since 1994 till 2003 thinking on how I would see these guys coming from exile holding their, the hands of their babies, the same age of my children, and thinking, thinking of them to be finished, to be killed. So I found myself guilty of being killing them in my heart for nine years. So I found myself a killer like those who have killed my family. Can you imagine that? No. That was not a human being attitude. It was the Holy Spirit working in my soul. So the tears stopped and I looked at the face of my fellow prayer partner and I told him, please forgive me, it is not me. I started to tell him what was going on, and then he, st he stood in the gap. He told me, he asked me permission to stand in the gap of those who, those who have killed my people and ask me for forgiveness. I forgave him and I, I, on behalf of them. And then he also asked me uh, to stand, uh, to stand in the gap of the, those who have uh, uh, taught and uh, enhanced the ideology of genocide in Rwanda, uh, he asked me for forgiveness on, be on behalf of them, and I forgave him on behalf of them. So from there, so I was free. I went back to my daily duties in uh, uh, Youth with the Mission, with the mission where, um, 
for nine months lecture phase and three months uh, outreach. And then later on, I went back to my church where I were pastoring. There, the church was nearby the prison that kept thousands of those who have killed people, but there were two guys that have killed my mother. Each and every night I would kneel down and pray before I go to bed, but the voice would tell me, yes, you have forgiven them, you are free, but do they know that they are forgiven? I urged with that voice for three months and until I went back, I went to the prison to let them know that they are forgiven. That action of letting them to know that I have forgiven them led us to start, let alone, a work of reconciliation which is do, being done in our country. Now, I bring together survivors and perpetrators of the genocide in Rwanda in small groups for the sake of reconciliation. If to not be that work of the word of God in my soul, until today, I would be hardened and tied. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 tells us too that the, a bitter root can grow and tie us. The, there was a soul tie, a bitter root, which has grown in my soul. But by the grace of God, the word has cut that bitter root, and now I'm free. Hallelujah. I'm free. When I am with these guys, I feel peace. Now things are being, being uh, done well because you can see in those groups, someone who have killed many people or from the, 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 the other group is becoming a master of ceremony in the, in the family that he has wronged. Children from this group and this group, they are intermarrying now because of what God has done. I'm telling you, Rwanda faced a lot of things, a lot of uh, hatred and uh, more than one million Tutsis has been killed. But now God is working through the hearts of people. What I would encourage you today uh, think about that thing. Forty-six people of my family have been killed. Some have been cutted with machetes. Others have been thrown in the pits, of, in rattling pits. Others have been thrown in the levers. And God did his work in my soul. I came to forgive those people who have murdered my people. Until today, I fellowship with them. What if there is someone who has wronged you or who has wronged your family now just in insulting or in little things that happens in our daily life, and you are not able to forgive. Forgiveness 
is the key to freedom. Repentance and forgiveness can be a well start of reconciliation. Some people will say, I wronged me, let I forgive him, let him go his way, I go my way. But that's wrong. Can you imagine if God has sent Jesus Christ to die for us, and then Jesus Christ died and rose and went, said, it's over. You remain alone, I'm going to, back to my father. What would happen? But he said, I'll be with you always till to the end of the earth. Others will say, I will wait until my offender come to ask for forgiveness. Yes. In a human being set up, it's right, but spiritually, it's wrong. The Bible, Romans 8, Romans 5.18, says that God demonstrated his love in sending his begotten son while, to die for us while we were sinners. Can you imagine if God would wait that we become righteous before he sent his begotten son? Would, would we have got salvation? What I'm telling you is that unforgiving is preventing yourself from freedom. Mahatma Gandhi said, holding your forgiveness is like taking a cup of poison and drink it, expecting that your enemy will die. That means if you won't forgive, if you don't forgive, you are damaging yourself and your relationship with your people is cut off. So there, your relationship with God is firm, stood. In no. God created us in intending a pure relationship. And our relationship is horizontal and vertical because we relate to each other so that our relationship with God be well settled. Forgiveness does not mean that what happened to your life is not, is not, is not a, a valid. It doesn't mean that you have to despise what happened to your life. And it doesn't mean that you will forget what happened to your life. But forgiveness will make it soft. It will soften it until it will not be affecting your life. Jesus Christ forgave his enemies at the cross. He said, forgive them so that they don't know what they are doing. It's, uh, it's for us to forgive our offenders. In, uh, in, uh, in, it, it is, it is, uh, it is 
for the sake of our freedom, for the sake of our own freedom, we have to forgive others. For the sake of our good relationship with God, we have to forgive others. Maybe you are here, someone have wronged you, or someone have wronged your family, and that is still growing in your heart. But today, God, Jesus is here. You shall to let you, to set you free. The word of God tells us that you shall know the truth. And the truth, truth will set you free. I have gotten the truth that forgiveness is a tool to my own freedom. That forgiveness might be the tool of your own freedom. Would you allow me to pray with you? Lord Jesus Christ, we love you, but you first loved us. This morning, I pray that your power of forgiveness come down in our hearts for the sake of our eternal peace, for the sake of our eternal security. Give us strength to forgive those who have wronged us. Even though if they have done unbelievable things to our lives, you are greater than the wounds of our heart. Let your Holy Spirit work in our lives and let your word strengthen our beliefs and our behaviors so that we may be ready to forgive and totally forgiveness, total forgiveness, which will set each and every one free. I pray that these young guys whom are the future church of yours, Get that strength to forgive and gain that peace, that jewel, that uh, name of Jesus well for eternity. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, someone say, Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.